Welcome to Game Theory. I'm Sean Morgan, and I am the host of Making Sense of the Madness on AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. I'm here with Burning Bright. This is the second episode of Game Theory, and it's an interesting day. We had the announcement of an announcement yesterday. Supposedly something big was going to happen. We had Michael Flynn talking about, hey, wouldn't it be a great thing if Trump was Speaker of the House? Many people getting their expectations up thinking, hey, could this be the announcement? However, Burning Bright, uh, we just found out the real announcement. Did you get a good laugh when that happened? Yep. <laughs> and uh, and I think uh, a lot of us that are kind of veterans of, of whatever you want to call it, this information war, have sort of learned uh, to temper expectations. And what's interesting is even when I find myself saying that term, tempering expectations, um, I even think I need to uh, correct my own thought process because it's implying that we got a nothing burger, right? That's the term that people throw around a lot, a nothing burger or a rug pull, um, that the announcement didn't matter. Um, and that's not the way I feel about Trump's announcement. I, I don't pretend to know what he is signaling. But uh, as I have written about extensively, I think that there's always ulterior motives to Trump's narrative deployments, as I call them. And uh, this one I still find this one very interesting, even if it didn't come from, uh, even if it didn't come with a, a more overt uh, kind of Moab sort of projected move, political move. Um, it's still very interesting, and it captures the national zeitgeist uh, like nobody else is capable of doing. So it certainly keeps that trend going. It does, and I remember the last time he did this, made an announcement for an announcement, got everyone's hopes up. Uh, and then he just had a regular press conference at Mar-a-Lago that he's going to be announcing his candidacy, which everyone pretty much already knew. And people felt the same exact way as they feel now, all let down because their expectations were so high because Trump did pump it up. He was like, oh, this is going to be historic and all this stuff. And then interestingly, uh, the deep state pulled a major move. I think he baited them because uh, that's when – Ukraine, uh, you know, sent a missile into Poland and yep. Poland, you know, rallied their security councils like ready to go under World War Three. And everyone, including the mainstream media, jumped on it and blamed Russia hastily, all perhaps because Trump said that he's going to make it a big announcement. And uh, the deep state's always wondering, you know, when is Trump going to declass something? When is Trump going to Put us on front street on national television. What can we do to distract it? And this is something we learned back in the our favorite back channels uh, post back in the day. The idea that uh, this war that's unfolding between these two sides, the white hats and the black hats, it's all about timing. We've got even people uh, having dead presidents, perhaps putting the bodies on ice and waiting to plan the state funeral for the most optimal time. And this is how much timing matters and how much our consciousness and our eyeballs on a story or being distracted to a different story uh, is so important. So do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I think that some people consider it hopium or they, they think that we're reaching people in this community, maybe people in the a non-community, the Q community, they think, well, you're just spinning everything into everything's a plan and patriots are in control, white hats in control. But really, when you, the interesting thing is when people like us tell everybody to temper expectations heading into a day like this, we often get accused by a contingent of dooming, right? Of blackpilling. 
well, you you know, you're not on the team, you're blackpilling, you're dooming, you're saying nothing's happening. And we're saying the opposite. Uh, Chris Paul recently kind of went viral on True Social by, with that um, amazing rant on the show with Patrick Gunnels, where he said, everything is happening all the time. And I call that the process paradigm, kind of changing the way we engage with this information war and trying to look at look at what is being presented to us rather than projecting um, you know, all of these dramatic moves. I think this is a dramatic move. I think your point about the last time Trump had an announcement of an announcement, which uh, which provoked the writing of my most popular feature to death, uh, to date, to death, to date, uh, called the Master, all about Trump's narrative control. Uh, I I am I marvel. I continue to marvel at just how how in control of the narrative and of the zeitgeist Trump is. And like you said. When you want to kind of project what are the tactics, what's the strategy behind these kind of deployments that don't look like a huge deal on the surface, I would say that that Poland missile strike, whether that was a real missile strike or whether it was just, again, a narrative or media deployment about a missile strike, the intent by the collectivists, by the deep state, by whatever you want to call them, was clearly to provoke Article 5 in NATO and to provoke World War III. I mean, it's just about as big as a narrative deployment as you can get. And it certainly seems like Trump baited that out. He baited something out. And that's the same feeling that a lot of us had last night when he makes this big deal about this announcement that's coming tomorrow. There's no such thing as a nothing burger with Trump. Even if this announcement seems like it's not a big deal to people, there are actions that people took behind the scenes on, on enemy factions, in enemy factions that we will never be privy to because Trump has them so whipped up in a frenzy about what he could deploy at any given time, what he could reveal or what he could announce. And I think it's almost like watching a cat toying with a mouse to see what he's doing here. So I'm getting a kick out of it. And I think the fact that it was a literal Trump card um, that that gives a lot of the uh, the letter crew as just human calls us or the Q people that gives people a, a nice jolt and a sort of a allows us to laugh at the situation while being excited at the same time while everyone else says, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, maybe you can pull up if you get a chance. The uh, the link that Trump posted as his big announcement was the TrumpCollectionCards.com or something like that, where there's a little video and he's a superhero and you can collect all the cards and it's $99 per card and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The first thing that a person, any, any person, whether you're left or right, uh, would probably think when you see that kind of hokey commercial and $99 salesmanship is like the, the, the Trump university and the Trump stakes and all this stuff. Like it's almost like he's baiting the mainstream media uh, of calling him a grifter and uh, making him a savior himself a savior figure. So I wonder if there's any strategy related to that where get the media like saying all these things about him trying to make money and then he says, well, it turns out all the money's going to charity or, uh, or or to our veterans because Biden won't take care of them or something like that. Uh, there's usually a, a gotcha moment uh, built into this, uh, especially when he makes himself the potential butt of the joke. Right. Um, so he's really good at that, you know, and, and he's done that with the, the fine people of uh, Charleston, you know, where they're trying to accuse him of being a Nazi and a white supremacist and so forth. 
he makes himself so vulnerable. He makes himself their target and it's all for a purpose. Uh, do you agree about that? Oh, totally. And I even see people in the chat. Uh, welcome to the chat, guys. Glad to have you here for the second episode. I see Patrick of Tartaria uh, saying um, the announcement was not aimed at this audience. He sent a signal to the deep state that he has played the Trump card. Um, if you if you want my kind of actual reading of what was this deployment about, that that is that is probably the most confident thing I would assert about this announcement is that he's um, he's baiting. To your point, he's baiting whoever that is, whether that's the deep state or Khan Incorporated. Um, I think that his deployments in November, the announcement of his candidacy, the announcement of that announcement, we saw the full turn and weaponization of fake MAGA and Khan Incorporated, the blue check fake MAGA that uh, many of us have been calling out for years, but that a lot of MAGA got roped into, whether that's the, the you know... Daily Wire crowd, you know, I'm not alleging that everybody in there is Con Inc., but we certainly know that there are very popular influencers who uh, were not organically throwing their support behind somebody like Ron DeSantis, no matter what DeSantis's intent is. Um, I tend to think he's a Trump ally, but even if I'm wrong about that, many of the people that are throwing their support behind him in recent months are doing so because they are desperately trying to get this party and this movement away from Donald Trump. And uh, I think that his his announcement is definitely baiting those people to go after him, you know, appear weak when you were strong, all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, and I certainly believe that I do not think it's an accident that we've got the Trump card, um, the Trump card symbolism being made extremely overt and apparent. Uh, so, you know, is this the literal playing of the yeah. Trump card? That's not what I would what I would suggest. I would say that uh, many of our viewers are correct in saying this is Trump sending a reminder to both us, his supporters, and to our enemies that we do have the Trump card. We have many Trump cards, and we have yet to play them. So that's what I would take here. Um, I can, I do have my screen ready to share if you do want me to um, to show sure, a couple of those ahead. things. So we've got. Um, is this is this is this working? Oh no, it's not on yet. I have right. to approve it. So for anybody that's been living under a rock at all, um, this is what we've got. We've got Trump's announcement, America Needs a Superhero. I'll be making a major announcement. And So, you know, people look at the surface level there and they say, uh, last night they were saying, they're looking into the Trump Tower symbolism. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting allusions between Trump and Bruce Wayne, Batman, and all those kind of motifs. And they're thinking, is this about the Speaker of the House? Um, but I often say that Trump's narrative deployments, they can run multiple paths. It can be multiple things at once, right? None of Just because this is some people think this is a nothing burger announcement, um, that doesn't mean that those other readings of Trump's deployment yesterday are incorrect. You know, he can be saying multiple things at once. He can be he can be hinting at those things. He can be hinting at other options right. uh, and just, and uh, you know, to be a little bit literal about it, holding his cards close to his yeah. vest at the same time. I don't think it's an accident that Michael Flynn posted two times about Trump being Speaker of the House yesterday, right during this announcement period. Right, right. and um, yeah, we've got those I could here. be wrong. Maybe it was just coincidence. 
but uh, you know, it seems to me that that would be an example of baiting the deep state, getting them to think that it could be a Speaker of the House. And then what kind of moves would the deep state have to do to try to prevent that from happening? Do they have to whip up a bunch of articles about how it's not legal? Do they have to, you know, get their right. people in D.C. Uh, trying to block it somehow? Uh, you know, it could be any number of things. But I, I've, I pay attention not just to what Trump says and does, but his closest allies right. uh, and influencers, what, what they're saying and doing at the same time that could be coordinated. Yep, absolutely. And we can see here, Brian Cates, a great writer, a great reporter, nothing prevents the Speaker of the House temporary president from being a candidate for president and having his name on the ballot when the new election is held. And Flynn says, why not? If there is one thing sorely lagging, it is honest, authentic and fiercely independent leadership lacking across all of the federal government. Uh, I think he went on with another um, watch Joe Van Pulitzer's exceptional cut the crap podcast. I'm with Joe Van on this one. We we need a dramatic change in leadership. I'm for Donald Trump to be our next Speaker of the House. So he posted that yesterday. And um, again, I, I see this, whether or not the Speaker route is something that is even being considered by Patriots. Uh, myself and John, John Harold last night, we are both pretty public about um, our belief that this is not a route that they would take. We could obviously be wrong about that. Um, either way, the potential of this of this route is clearly being seeded and potentially baited. You know, use that term like laying out bait. Um, something I'm often fascinated with is that Trump often refers to himself as as a counterpuncher. And I've said this on some recent shows. Counterpunchers do not wait for the opponent to attack. Counterpunchers provoke an opponent's attack. That's why they're so effective. So the whole point of a good counterpuncher, a counterstriker, is that they provoke the exact strike they want the opponent to throw because they've already got a counter for that counter. And we saw this last month when Trump weaponized his narrative. He forced Con Inc. to basically throw in and, and be activated, so to speak. And maybe this whole speaker seating by Flynn and that Trump has even seated a little bit in the past, although he's de denied it, maybe that's to get the establishment and the media to start freaking out about the potential of Trump trying to become Speaker of the House. Also, Trump can sit back and go, what are you talking about? I have no desire to do that. And it continues to make Con Inc. and the mainstream media look ridiculous. And, and they're deploying resources. Resources right. are limited. You know, uh, money, people, time, energy, uh, all of these things. And to get the deep state to deploy all kinds of resources to address a speaker of the house route that he never even <laughs> wanted to do anyway, that keeps their, their resources tied up in, in nonsense rather than to combat his actual route. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, we don't, we can only see what we're being shown. You know, there's a certain element of Kabuki theater to this whole game. I mean, the whole, the whole concept of this show is game theory, which is all about, uh, it's basically two counter-striking sides. It's people trying to um, deploy narratives, deploy psychological operations. Both sides do this. That's what the whole media industrial complex is. And uh, John and I were talking last night as well, That and, and I know you are heavily read in on the QOP, as I am. Um, we believe that the QOP was meant to circumvent that media industrial complex and to engage people like us and people like those watching this show into this fifth-gen warfare that Flynn also uh, heavily references often, uh, especially lately. And this is why. 
So I often say that I categorize events into, into two major categories, actual events and potential events. And potential events, um, people often look at that like narrative deployments. They look at that as being non-events or something that's not happening or not real. Uh, in fifth gen warfare, narrative events are just as important, if not more important sometimes than actual events, because they provoke the entire collective mind of American society. They provoke the media, they provoke political moves, they can even provoke kinetic moves. So narrative events and psychological events are absolutely major events. So that's why I would just I would just um, give people some advice that that maybe can get a little disappointed when they see something like this to stop worrying about an actual event, such as a, an announcement of a speaker move or anything like that, and start looking at this as a narrative deployment that Trump and Trump's allies have launched and try to engage with why they might be launching this and the net effects it might have on our enemies. Yeah, and something I've noticed that both sides do with these strategists is they always try to accomplish more than one objective at the same time with the same move. So you don't just have one goal, one objective, and do one thing to try to achieve that objective. It's always that you have multiple objectives and you try to do one move and achieve more than one objective. So um, some just little sideline here that I find interesting is that Melania and Trump have launched NFT projects. Like this is a guy that said he was against Bitcoin and blockchain, never said he was against blockchain, but he said that he doesn't like Bitcoin. He said he believes in the supremacy of the US dollar. Uh, and so it's just interesting that when we're trying to figure out the next reset, this is gonna be a topic uh, of an article released soon on Badlands Substack, uh, that I'm writing is that there are two potential resets here. And so the deep state has their central bank controlled uh, cryptocurrency uh, that they want that kind of reset. They can control all of us through that surveillance mechanism and, uh, and control mechanism. They could literally, uh, you know, shut down your bank account uh, in, in a moment's notice with that type of control system. And then the white hats, they want some type of, uh, system for liberty, for for uh, you know economic liberty, uh, for scarcity, so that something has real value, uh, and that could be gold, that could be Bitcoin, that could be any number of things that are actually scarce. Uh, so just I think it's it's accomplishing something uh, that, that Trump could be baiting Con Inc. He could be uh, baiting the deep state. He could be sending a signal that he does understand and believe in blockchain technology. Uh, you know, and he could be raising money <laughs> for for yeah. some objective at the same time. Uh, so, and I, I would be interested to find out what he's going to spend all this money on that he's raising for $99 a pop on these NFTs. Uh, hopefully it is to help our veterans or some kind of uh, thing like that that he's done in the past. Right. And, and again, I even see people in the chat. I think, uh, you know, I see a couple people disappointed, but I see people saying, um, you know that this is this is exactly what we're saying that these announcements they they run multiple tracks at the same time right that's what you're saying so trump trump in the past he might be talking about bitcoin with suspicion or uh you know crypto with suspicion and there can be good reason for that but then when you look at the actions like you point out when you look at the actions of melania when you look out when you look at this uh trump card kind of deployment that runs on blockchain technology um, look at the look at the actions, not just the words. Um, and 
both things can be true at the same time, right? Trump can be warning that blockchain technology or crypto in general uh, can be used for nefarious purposes. We've seen that uh, heavily injected into the sort of collective mind via the FTX scandal. Um, he, he, he may have been projecting things like that. We believe that patriots know how all these money laundering ops work. They, they know how these networks work. And, um, just like anything else, just like narrative warfare, just like kinetic warfare, these things can be used for good or for ill. Um, I don't pretend to be an expert on crypto and blockchain technology. My sort of, my sort of a baseline, opinion on the whole thing is that we do need a monetary reset. We need a systemic economic reset. Um, I do believe that blockchain could have a major role to play in that reset. Um, I'm I'm very big on gold and silver and fundamentals, energy, um, commodities, all of that kind of stuff and, and production GDP. But I could I don't see um, I think a lot of people in both of those spaces, whether it's commodities, gold and silver and cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, they think that they're opposed. But there's a way that you could fuse those two systems together that might be the best of both worlds. I think we're seeing Vladimir Putin and Russia make moves along those lines. Um, and as G Money on this network, he, he does a show with Patriots in Progress called Rug Pull Radio. And that's a great show. And those guys are very bullish on Bitcoin specifically and not crypto at large. And I think Trump actually has a lot of communications that kind of run along along the theories that they propose, where he's sort of telling people there's a difference between decentralized blockchain technology and these Hollywood pushed and celebrity pushed cryptos that are, uh, you know, that are that are no substitute for an actual monetary system. So again, it's it's worth keeping in mind. It's worth seeing why these things are being deployed. But um, yeah, you can't you can't be black or white with any of this stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting that Melania chose Solana. I didn't get time to, to uh, confirm what what blockchain his, his latest uh, cards are on. Uh, but, you know, they didn't choose Terra Luna. They didn't choose, you know, FTX. I don't think it would be possible for them to put an NFT on FTX blockchain, but uh, they had their own token. You know, he did. He, Trump's family chose not to interact with uh, these uh, scams, with these other networks. Uh, apparently, Melania kind of gave a nod to Solana as, as a functional blockchain. And uh, I'll, I'll check in after the show what's going on with the, this new set. Maybe you can look it up while we're on the show if you have a chance. But uh, I think that's worth noting because we got uh, JP Morgan big time in Ethereum. Uh, so, you know, th- we've got a whole decentralized financial system that has been refined over the, the last couple of years. And uh, some of it is imploding and some of it is still together. And I think it's, there's a fight going on about who's going to control that, that infrastructure. Uh, so what will it be? You know, what will the future hold for, for what part of that infrastructure actually will be used uh, at large, like XRP that has Google. Uh, Google is the one who actually started uh, XRP through their capital ventures. And, um, you know, we've got all kinds of different options here uh, of where things could go. So I'm going to be definitely paying attention to 
now and in the future, which blockchains or which companies or people uh, are affiliated. We know that Peter Thiel is, uh, is an ally of Trump and is funding his uh, was funding his his candidates in, in the midterms. So right. that's something to pay attention but to. As another well. um, another interesting thing that that I like I said, I'm I'm not um, read in on Ripple and all that stuff. I, I have a, like, again, I think the rug pull radio guys are very against that system. I don't know enough about the various blockchains and crypto to to have a, a meaningful comment. One thing that I find really interesting about blockchain technology in general is other applications of blockchain technology outside of finances, outside of digital... Um, like voting. Right, voting. And and it was, what was it, 2020, where the U.S. Postal Service has a patent for uh, blockchain voting technology. Uh, I believe it's the Postal Service. I could be wrong about that. But that's something that, you know, if we have an encrypted blockchain-based voting system, every single vote would have a specific ID attached to it. It would be literally mathematically impossible to swing elections or to affect elections. And if you did, then you you would have this paper trail. That's the whole thing. And super easy to audit, right? I was right. just going to say that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's a lot of people in this community. And again, I'm no blockchain expert, but there's a lot of people in this community who immediately hear blockchain or crypto and they go bad. Um, and I get it. I understand where that reaction comes from because of how it has been used to rug pull people and how it has been used by scam artists, Ponzi schemes, celebrities, uh, the deep state, how they've used it to launder money and all that kind of stuff. That's all true. But again, just like narrative deployments, just like mess- missiles, just like weapons, uh, these things are tools. Tools can be used for nefarious purposes. Tools can also be used for uh, good purposes. And we all know that our election systems need change, and we know that we need an auditable system. And that's something that blockchain technology could provide because it provides a ledger that is an objective ledger that cannot be that cannot be edited or messed with. Yeah, and I think a good segue here is talk about Twitter and Elon Musk because one of the goals of Elon Musk with buying Twitter, he's stated publicly is to create an everything app called x.com and that this one of the main features is going to be a crypto wallet and he he's definitely talked about dogecoin but he's a big proponent of bitcoin so is jack dorsey that's part of one of the things that jack dorsey and elon musk had in common with their vision for twitter and so forth is the idea that uh, bitcoin could be a, a currency and and that each Twitter user could have their own wallet. Uh, Jack Dorsey is also the owner or major shareholder of uh, Block.com, uh, which used to be called something else. But they're, they're a major payment processor, even outside of uh, Bitcoin and blockchain and everything. But uh, that's one of their their big uh, visions, corporate visions for the future is uh, Bitcoin. And Jack Dorsey has the whole blue sky project so that uh, you can have uh, social media, uh, it can be open source protocol, uh, and uh, you can post to multiple platforms at once and so forth. And so it seems like Jack Dorsey, uh, I, I've always viewed him as kind of uh, playing both sides like like Elon right, Musk. Right. And I've, I've seen I've seen him uh, try to I've seen him lie under oath. I've seen him, you know, act as the puppet of the deep state, but I've also seen the opposite. I've seen him 
uh, you know, try to go against some of these Twitter shareholders who, who are in favor of censorship and so forth. And that is Jack's official story now that he he realized he couldn't stop people from censoring on Twitter. And so he planned his exit. I know that's uh, kind of lame. But when you think that Tesla and Block were two of the only corporations to buy major stakes of Bitcoin uh, just about a year ago or two years ago, uh, to me, that shows a bit of coordination. Uh, Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk both believe in this open source protocol uh, and, and Bitcoin as a um, as a value, you know, as right. basically the money of the Internet. Uh, so, so we can't dismiss that. The fact that Elon Musk is doing the Twitter files, he's doing the D class that we always hoped that Trump would do. So, so Elon is really acting kind of as a proxy right. for Trump's and the white hats right now. And so if that's the case and Elon Musk has openly said, he's going to put Dogecoin and Bitcoin and all this stuff on, on Twitter, he's going to seed the biggest crypto network in the history of humanity in the next year it's just a matter of time so that's going to be big news what do you think yeah um one of one of the interesting things there i mean is just elon musk in general we're talking about uh narrative deployments and everything with trump's deployment and i've, I've been calling trump the master uh, i forget who it was i think it was julian's rum on true social he's been one of my favorite follows for years uh he uh, last week was talking about if you just divorce yourself from the idea of white hat, black hat, when you're looking at people like Elon Musk, and you just engage with it on a pure, pure strategic level, nobody since Donald Trump has commanded such control of the narrative, the sort of macro narrative in society, like Elon Musk. Those two figures, you know, Nancy Pelosi can tweet something out, Joe Biden or his handlers can tweet something out. Um, even Vladimir Putin can say something and it will make headlines. But when Musk or when Trump say something, it not only becomes news, just them saying something is news, it becomes a cultural event. So that's the, the big difference. And what's interesting, I, I like that you use the word proxy there because uh, many, many have been watching uh, with Just Human. I've been I've gone into detail on Elon Musk's uh confirmed partnership with the Trump Department of Justice, Department of Defense, um, about satellite communications with Starlink. That is that is why I started to change my tune on him was under those revelations by Cash Patel. Uh, but when you look at what he's doing, you've got the largest military contractor regarding communications, military satellite communications, and he is now in charge of the largest civilian communications platform in the world. So whatever the the future to come is regarding crypto or any of this kind of stuff or blockchain technology. The fact that, like you said, you've got somebody using that kind of a platform with that kind of cultural and narrative sway and reach pushing these things, yeah. it's certainly significant. Um, I would also say that, you know, the word centralization and decentralization, those are extremely important terms. So when we're talking about an X protocol, when we're talking about Bitcoin, blockchain technology, um, there are cryptos that are not decentralized, right? There's a lot of crypto scams where they claim to be decentralized, but they're not. They're, they're technologies that are, they're blockchains that are fully controlled, fully centralized by the companies and investors that run them. Um, 
FTX is an idea of an exchange. It's just like people in this community who understand that if you have $10,000 in cash, you control that cash. If you put that $10,000 into a bank, you no longer have that $10,000. You have loaned it to a bank, a custodian. That's the same thing with all of these cryptos. So we really need to move into a future of educating people on what does decentralization mean? And that can be money, that can be technology, that can be communications. Uh, We really need to move into a decentralized future. And Musk has certainly been one of the leaders that has been most strongly pushing that movement. Yeah, and uh, you brought up some really good points I wanted to comment on. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Brazil. It's a dystopian movie. It's a, you know, a character who's kind of stuck at the mercy of a gigantic bureaucracy. And I can see why they called it Brazil. I live in Brazil and and they have a gigantic bureaucracy here. And you are at the mercy when you're just trying to get something done, you know, just to have an ID or to pay your taxes or, or to, to travel or, or, or to just do anything that involves, it seems to involve this kind of permission that you need from the government that involves paperwork and that involves a bureaucrat and, and so the two resets, the deep state reset, the great reset that they want involves that central bank cryptocurrency, that centralized thing, and that you're locked into it, right? There, there are no alternatives, right. right? And at least we have cash. We still have a central bank controlled currency today, but at least we have cash and we right. can have some privacy with what <laughs> we do with money and so Which forth. Which they want to get rid of. Uh, <laughs> they do. Uh, but... You know, they want you locked into that and, and, and locked into not just that money, but to, to their system. Like you can't get employment and you can't maybe drive your electric vehicle. They can shut that off remotely and just so that you're locked into their system. And what you described when you said that Elon Musk and Trump, you know, together perhaps have this satellite network, they have the communications network. And then when people started saying to Elon Musk, hey, if the app store kicks you out, you better have your own phone or hardware. And, and Elon Musk hinted that he, he does. Do that. <laughs> right. So, right. Everyone really believes that he's already been working on a smartphone and it's going to be an Apple killer. So if Elon Musk and, you know, it's the White Hats, you know, Elon Musk is not just this genius who does everything and never, never sleeps. You know, he has a team. <laughs> right. And uh, so this team, whoever they are, uh, has the ability to create a parallel economy and a parallel society and parallel communication outside of that, that deep state system that, that they want us stuck in with no alternatives. And I think that is a beautiful thing. If, that, if that's true. And I, I believe it is, but you have to do your own due diligence to, to come up with your own conclusion. Uh, but yeah. that that's a game over for the deep state. If we can have our own, our own infrastructure for a parallel economy and society. Yeah. Um, I actually, that makes me think of a uh, play the BB drinking game, but my favorite term bicameral thinking that I use a lot. So there's still people that, that can have healthy suspicion about the motives and the intentions of people like Elon Musk. Um, But what I would say to your point there is this is why I engage in bicameral thinking. So what I will try to do, uh, which is great practice, is in your mind, you've got to hold contradictory paradigms at the same time. The difference between this community who does bicameral thinking and, you know, the far left or the sort of normies, the reactive normies, is that 
as we talked about on the first episode of this show, they will hold contradictory viewpoints and believe both viewpoints at the same time, right? Which creates cognitive dissonance. It creates a lot of mental and psychological. It's it's literal. Yeah. I'm using too many words to just say insanity. Um, Yes. It's the definition of insanity, right? Um, The difference is we can hold a paradigm of maybe Elon Musk is this proxy for the deep state. And this is about getting people away from Trump and trying to create a parallel cultural and maybe future political figure, societal figure to compete with Trump's reach. You can hold that in your mind, and you can also hold in your mind Department of Defense contractor on a Donald Trump, creating a decentralized communication system, potentially in the future. To your point, it's really exciting to consider the the idea that he could be creating a parallel technology system to the deep state, and I call them the American oligarchy, Apple, Google, Samsung, um, all the products that a lot of us are forced to use to engage in this information war. Hopefully, we'll have decentralized alternatives in the future. Um, To me, that second scenario, that second paradigm, there are more real or actual measurable events that are collapsing into that paradigm, which is why it's my dominant paradigm right now. If that changes, then that paradigm changes for me. Um, But it's fascinating to look at. And one thing that I find really interesting about Elon, you're talking about the idea of him having a phone to sort of backstop communications. A lot of people in the Q community and the Anon community they talk about the idea of the deep state getting so desperate at some point from a com- communication perspective that there's some kind of information or technology blackout. Um, I don't know if that will ever happen. But if it does, I said this recently, isn't it interesting that the guy who currently wields the largest civilian communications platform in the world is also the guy who wields the largest decentralized and Department of Defense funded satellite communications network worldwide? So talk about Trump cards. You've got Trump uh, tweeting out Trump cards or truthing out Trump cards. You've got Elon Musk, who has the ultimate communication Trump card, if the deep state does get desperate enough to do that. Right. And and I I don't think that Elon Musk is a a monolith. I don't think that he's just this uh, genius just like we have other people who, who have, are the richest people in the world, like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. I don't th- think that they are geniuses who control everything. I think they have teams. I think there are people behind them and so forth. Uh, but, you know, I think that it's kind of like how financial people think, you know, when they, uh, when they can bet on two different things at the same time that are different from each other. Like uh, you always want to have a hedge, Right. Uh, you could think of it even as an insurance policy. Uh, so the guy who wrote uh, Black Swan, uh, Nicholas Taleb, you know, talks about how he got really actually rich um, when he bet. He, he, made, he had a small bet uh, that was very che- a cheap bet for him to make that there would be a massive uh, crash when, you know, no one really thought there was going to be a crash, but there, there was. It wasn't very likely, but he had a bet on the table in case it did happen and it paid off big. Right. And so you don't even if you have a dominant paradigm, you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. You know, just because I happen to think that, yes, there could be a parallel economy uh, in the works. It doesn't mean I'm just going to like rest on my laurels and not prepare for the alternative. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've. I am doing that. I am trying to figure out my own communication methods and survival and preparedness in case 
nothing good happens <laughs> moving forward, right? Yep. And I think a lot um, of people in this community also understand that where they, you know, a lot of us are probably more prepared or have have contingencies um, or at least try to engage with different contingencies to protect ourselves. Um, and that's that's wise to do diversification, right? When when the uh, classic sort of legacy economists and financial advisors that our parents go to uh, to, to discuss their 401ks, when they say diversification, they're saying, uh, how many different stocks in the same system do you want to buy, right? They're not talking about a true systemic diversification, which is what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, maybe you're a little bit in the stock market and the fiat system just because it's a weapon that you can use as well. Maybe you're also in gold and silver and commodities. Maybe you're also in emerging technologies. Maybe you're also in blockchain technology. Um, if you're diversified, then uh, if you've got multiple castles, then you can't be under siege uh, by all of them at once. Uh, and that's, again, that's the whole concept of decentralization in the future. Right. And there are so many different resources besides financial to consider, um, you know, your your own energy for your home and for your life. Uh, that's important. Yep. Uh, your own transportation and so forth. Uh, you know, I have solar panels in my house. Uh, as far as communication, I have um, shortwave ham radio. That's something Praying Medic is right. um, has a channel on Telegram about. If you want to learn about that, uh, that would be. And and as far as a, a blackout, I actually happen to think it's very very likely yeah. that we're going to have minor minor blackouts of, of electricity and communication and technology at the very least. And I think it's even more probable that we'll have um, massive uh, type of communication, internet, electricity, possibly um, communication, internet blackouts. I really believe that's coming because we've seen the type of coordination the deep state's already done to try to bring down certain websites or certain things. Right, uh, and we we've seen how they control things like Cloudflare, which is just ubiquitous across the internet to secure your websites and so yep. forth. AWS uh, so, and all that. So, yeah, so so there are even people who have taught me a thing or two about how hey, if HTTP goes down, there's an alternative that you can um, you can use. To, so you know, there's so many different things to consider. Uh, when these types of blackouts occur, I'm not an expert, so I can't really give you any advice. But, uh, you know, it's something to think about that as this escalates, you know, as the stakes get higher and we get more into the end game um, month after month and year after year here, uh, it's more and more likely that if there is that capability on either side uh, to do that type of um, thing it could it, it'll probably be utilized if it's within their capability either side that's what i'm saying it could right. be used by good guys or bad guys depending on the situation right and that's that's i think an interesting thing to point out and and i think uh, again when we engage with these we're engaging in potentials we're trying to map out different potentials so that you're not taken by surprise just like we try to map out hey maybe we've got some kind of crazy speaker of the house announcement uh on december 15th or maybe it's an nft right and it ended up being the latter that's why it's good to engage in these multiple possibilities, map them, and then see what reality kind of collapses onto, to, to borrow a term from, uh, from physics. But one of the interesting things about thinking about communications blackouts, technology blackouts, whatever you want to think about, I would say that there's two strong, there's one strong data point 
um, to suggest that that could be coming. And then there's uh, more of a philosophical point. So on the data point, I would say that just generally speaking, in the last several years, there have been a bunch of narrative and even a few actual deployments of quote unquote hacks of energy systems, electrical systems, um, banking systems that have been seeded into the public mind. Now, some of these were probably black hats, uh, deep state apparatus. Some of them could just be random hackers, although I, I don't think that's likely. Um, I think that whoever was deploying many of these hacks that even normies are pretty well aware of, are pretty well aware that they are possible, that our energy systems could be hacked or our banking system could be hacked. The benefit of that, the net benefit of that is that there's a mass awareness that that could come. So that could be a narrative seed in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, the other point I would make on a philosophical perspective, this whole, this uh, this uh, show is called Game Theory, right? So we're trying to not just project the moves and potential counter moves of our side. We're trying to project, protect, project those of the other side. And when you look at the why of a communications blackout, it's pretty simple. Look at the look at the uh, absolute disaster optically and narratively it has been for the deep state and for the the media industrial complex for the last few weeks, where the Twitter files are revealing censorship that we knew about five six years ago. Right? These are like the most baby step truth revelations that right. are just the very Wait till be- we get to pizza game. <laughs> right. These are, this is the beginning of opening Pandora's box. The deep state is already losing control of the media. They're losing control of the collective mind. And now when that box starts getting pried open little by little, and we've got Balenciaga, we've got Epstein and Maxwell back in the news, we've got crimes against children. When that stuff starts to come back in, I personally have been saying for weeks that I think one of the biggest red pills and biggest kind of whiplashes before those major reveals is going to be about lockdowns and COVID and censorship of counter information during that process. Uh, that's why they would need it was a blackout. The most massive psyop, and it's going to be the most massive wake up. One hundred percent. Yep. I totally, totally with you on that. Uh, and there's so much that I wanted to say about this. Uh, about um, why would they? Why would they do a blackout? Uh, why would either side do? A, why would the deep states want to do a blackout? Well, th- there could be. Uh, as you were describing uh, something that's this kind of like the nail in their coffin, like they know it's game over. If one of these main central narrative deployments happen, uh, then according to what they've war gamed and what they've calculated, uh, then there's no way they can recover from that. Once people know, you know, who owns the central banks or who is right. behind uh, you know, the, the Bill Gates isn't a nice Mr. Rogers in a sweater. Whatever it is, <laughs> what how, he's not. Is, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is that they've determined is a narrative killer for them, they will start to try to stop people from even being able to get access to that information. And that's right. a really desperate move. Another reason why they might do it, do either side might do that, is just to stop the other side from being able to coordinate and, and do something that might really hurt the other side. Like if one of them is trying to coordinate a nuclear strike or, or something like that, you know, right. there's so many different things uh, th- that it could be. Um, and I had about four more other things that I was going to <laughs> say regarding this topic, but uh, I'm going to have to let you talk and I'll try to remember as we wrap up. 
Oh, you're free to go. I mean, um, the the interesting thing too is uh, when I kind of remember back to the Q posts, even though I, I don't have a, as photographic a memory with that stuff as some people in our community do. Um, it's so interesting to me. Jack Dorsey just popped into my head. The reason he popped into my head is because you know I talk about bicameral thinking. We're talk we're talking about holding contradictory paradigms in your mind at the same time. I'm now looking at those old Q drops with with that bicameral framework in mind, and it really is fascinating to consider a lot of those drops. So for example, I don't know. I, di- I genuinely do not know if Jack Dorsey is good. Is he bad? Was he good? And, was he good? And then he was turned bad. Was he bad? And now he's working with white hats as on a plea deal. Any of those things could be possible. I don't have a strong feeling on it. But when I read those original Q drops about welcome back, Jack, all those kinds of things, I read them from the perspective of Jack Dorsey is a CIA mouthpiece. He is an operator for the deep state. These are warning posts toward Jack and his handlers. You can easily now, though, read those posts as the opposite. You could read those posts as welcome back to the team, Jack. Good job, Jack. Um, You know, all that, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I know which one is correct. But when you're talking about a communications blackout or technology blackouts, we all, I think many of us in this community have assumed that if that occurs, it will be the quote unquote deep state that deploys that. But you just made me think it's entirely possible that when you look at posts that say blackout necessary, um, that it is not the deep state that would deploy a blackout. It could be our side that deploys a blackout for strategic purposes, either for communication purposes or for uh, national defense purposes, right? And people who are read in on devolution or believe in devolution or continuity of government theories, that would make a lot of sense that uh, the idea of a deep state blackout, the reason that I sometimes struggle with it as a concept is that it implies much more overt control over the US, over US national security infrastructure than I personally believe the bad guys have at this stage. So it's just something interesting to consider. Uh, it could be coming, but who would be well, deploying I, it? I don't think that either side has complete control here. Right. And, and I think one of the evidence of that are the constant attacks on our infrastructure that we've seen. Uh, when we see, uh, well, just this past week, we've had four blackouts in the United States, in North Carolina and in the Northwest uh, the FBI put out a, a warning that someone wanted to attack our energy infrastructure. And sure enough, it, uh, some hackers uh, did it. So it is being seeded. The World Economic Forum did a cyber pandemic simulation. So this is on the table. I mean, this right. is just something that's already really it's already happening at a small scale. And uh, there's also a third option that we didn't talk about, which is really fascinating to consider, which is that. There could be a, a nature intervenes and causes a, a uh, blackout. Uh, so we had, could have a solar flare. There could be a certain cosmic timing that that uh, uh, that people know about uh, and that they're preparing. And, and part of the the timetable of, of this war is based on that uh, that type of event that could occur. Uh, right. And uh, and very interesting that both Trump and Elon Musk, one of their Shared narratives is the idea of going to Mars. I just find yep. that fascinating that they're both on on board with that. And and one reason that 
that uh, we would want to go to Mars would be to get the heck off of Earth when something bad's happening. I know that's that's a rabbit hole. It's kind of unfair to throw that on the audience right at the last <laughs> minute of the show. Uh, but those are the fun, those are the just fun rabbit something holes. Something to consider. <laughs> just something yeah. to consider that both Trump and Elon Musk are both on the same page about us going to Mars, and that, that's that's a huge undertaking, technologically and financially, and and to even to even decide to put it on people's minds. Why would Trump make that part of his running for 24? You know, that when he could talk about a million other issues that, that Americans care about more about, uh, but right. he's decided to make part of his 2024 platform to go to Mars. Yeah. Uh, and well, so and then you, then you lead in uh, deep, five uh, space force. You've got space force that he seated. And, and uh, we have a lot of different opinions right. on that. You know, is it more literal than we think? Is it more about communications infrastructure, which is something that I've, uh, I've engaged with? Uh, I would also say that on the subject of something like a solar flare, um, again, bicameral thinking, I, I might have a slightly different read on that than you. But this is why it's good to keep both in mind. So when I kind of read into solar flare narrative seeding, um, I'm looking at the sources for those narrative seeds. And to me, sometimes I look at that as this would be the cover story for a deep state cover deployed, um, uh, a deep state deployed blackout of some kind, right? Or and I often think that way about hacks, quote unquote hacks, where they say, "Oh, you know, we have information that Russian hackers are going after the uh, na- the uh, national gas grid or something like that," um, and then it happens. It's like, oh, "How did you guys know this? And if you knew it, how how were you not able to stop it?" unless you're the ones who are deploying the very events that you're uh, seeding in, right? That's what that's how a lot of that narrative seeding works. Could use that as a cover story as well. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, yep. That's why so it's that works uh, for both sides. Right. That's why it's fun. It's fun to engage with this stuff. And sometimes, you know, maybe you can people can come away from this going, well, you don't have any firm conclusions on anything. Well, that's kind of the point. The whole point, I mean I call it the process paradigm, but the whole point of game theory is to engage with all of these different swirling potentials and possibilities, actual events, potential events, narrative events, and to make sure that you're considering different possibilities and then observing reality and seeing what it's kind of mapping onto. It's going to give you a much clearer idea of what's going on in this information war so that you're not just reading every narrative and every headline, uh, every supposed win and loss for our side as whatever the surface level is. There's always a lot more going on. Yeah, and I know we only have uh, four minutes left here, but uh, another big concept that some people might have never considered is the idea of a breakaway civilization. Uh, And in some cases, you might even call it two breakaway civilizations. So we do have a war going on. There are two different sides. And uh, there's been a lot of well, there was a half a billion dollars spent by the Trump military on underground warfare training. <laughs> so, right. so apparently, you know, there's there's something underneath us uh, that's worth spending half a billion um, dollars on to try to figure out how to do warfare there. Yeah. Uh, so there's infrastructure, and I, I'm fairly confident on, on this that there's infrastructure uh, underground. And so the question is, could it be inhabited by, um, you know, infrastructure for deep state people to communicate and to 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 do transportation and so forth. Right. We talk also about deep underground that, military like, bases. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, even I, I sent you an article today at BB of uh, there's underground uh, passages under Mar-a-Lago. This is Giuliani just made this public in his book. Yeah, I can, uh, um, I can show so, that So here. both sides have to have a clandestine way of talking to each other and meeting with each other. And if, if uh, we've already – space has been this big mystery ever since – I mean – the whole thing's a psyop, okay? Yeah. Space is fake and gay, and anyone who's researched it can at least admit that. <laughs> uh, but what is out there? We still don't know. We can't be confident of that. And so if Trump and Elon are both on, on board with this whole story or cover story of going to Mars, then maybe we already have moon bases and Mars bases, and uh, you know maybe we're already in communication with other beings and so forth. And uh, there's a lot, could be a lot to be declassed, a lot to be disclosed uh, very soon. So, hey, we can discuss it in episode three of Game Theory <laughs> right. next week. Yeah, um, and those are those are sort of what I call like the fun theories, the fun rabbit holes. Uh, we talk about dis- declass and disclosure about political events uh, and all that, but there there's there is so much we don't know. I mean. On top of all the political stuff uh, that they've kept from us, the crimes that that they, the deep state, has hidden from us, uh, many people in this community also believe that they have hidden technology from us. They have hidden, they have probably hidden history, obscured history. Um, so that's more of the exciting disclosures that I see. I see those disclosures coming sort of after we've quote unquote won, right? After we've kind of taken hey, back our look, systems. Just this week. Just this week, 70 years in the making, it's announced publicly that scientists have figured out uh, nuclear fusion. <laughs> right. That's a right. big deal. Yep. You know? Clean energy. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we've run out of time. Uh, any final thoughts on action steps for people to check out the Substack and... Yeah, um, you can check, check both of us. Um, yep, SeanMorganReport.com for Sean. Uh, if anybody wants to check out my stuff or support... Uh, support the work it's uh burningbright.substack.com um probably have something up tomorrow if i can uh yeah but appreciate you guys jumping in on a thursday afternoon and spread the word if you like the show uh i did see some people in the chat saying i didn't know if it was just on my side but uh your your audio has been good but your um your video feed has been choppy so i don't know if there's something going on with the browser there's some browser issues at times with this whole thing um but you know, we'll get the kinks worked out. We'll kind of figure out what the best systems are to use with this show. But uh, as long as you can hear us uh, babbling about game theory, that's what it's all about. Uh, so thank, thanks, guys, a lot for, uh, for joining us, and we'll see you next time. God bless, everyone.